Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a late night Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Where after you've uh, after this podcast has taken place, Steph Curry will have be the all time three point leader in NBA history. Uh, barring some crazy, crazy, unfortunate uh, incidents in New York City this evening. But it seems like this is the night that Steph Curry breaks the record. Ray Allen, Reggie Miller in attendance. So we're all excited to watch that later. But first, we got a pod. We got to do an NBA roundtable that uh, I'm very excited to do. I've wanted to do for a while now. And with me, I've got Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Lauren, good evening. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me back. Glad to make it back. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Corbin ducked the pod uh, last minute. He said something about uh, Pacific Coast, but I think what we like really Russell Westbrook stuff. Yeah, I don't think he wanted any of that. I don't think he wanted any of the Lakers Russell Westbrook conversation. The dialogue that we we need to revisit, but the tapes are still there. The tapes are forever. Um, also here, Tim Forkin of. The In Case You Missed It NBA newsletter, the Hoopla Network. Tim, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm great, man. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, first time here, and uh, I'm ready for it. Let's do it. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. Um, and also, you told me before we got started, Lauren was your first guest on your own podcast, correct? Uh, yeah, the YouTube show I'm doing, Buzzer Beater. Uh, Lauren was our first ever participant, first ever winner. And uh, yeah, glad, glad to be back with her, too. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, I think Zach is also here, but I think he just got dumped from the call. Zach, are you there? I think Zach just jumped back in. Zach, are you with us at the moment? Zach disappeared again. Okay, we'll keep going. We'll figure out Zach. He's going to be in and out. But Zach Allen of DreamShake SBN is also here. Um, but we'll figure that out as the podcast goes along. But guys, the first thing I wanted to talk about is... The teams that you have been watching. So, start with you, Lauren. Who have you been watching outside of the Mavericks a lot of lately that you've been interested in? Oh, man. It's hard to not watch Cleveland. I just Mm. feel like everybody's watching a little bit of Cleveland, but I'm going to switch it up. Oh, God. Who should I say? Who should I say? Let's keep it fun. I like Minnesota. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on there. And I think that they're in a position where they could go a couple of different directions and that there are a couple of lanes in front of them. And right now they need to decide which one they want to take and kind of fully commit to that. Yeah, Cleveland's been awesome. So they're my team that I'm watching this week. I watched their game last night against the Heat, which was really weird because Jimmy Butler and Bam obviously did not play. Tyler Hero just obsessed with cutting. The Cavs are just weird. They're a weird, fun mm-hmm. team to watch right now, but they're they're legitimately they're legitimately good. It's just a it's a weird lineup with Laurie at the three, but Mobley's a lot of fun. Jared Allen is just becoming just such a great player. And uh, the weird thing I took away, I don't know if you watched last night, but they got killed on the offensive glass, which is just like PJ Tucker is just an abnormality in so many different senses. <laughs> like that man loves shooting corner threes like over fifty percent this year, but like. I don't know. The the Heat are just weird and like the Cavs are playing big and they're just getting crushed in the glass by this undersized Miami team. That was something I'd written down of just like, I don't understand how this is happening and how the Cavs are up right now because the Heat do all the little things. And like if you're playing big and you're getting dominant in the glass like they were, it, it usually is not a recipe for success. But that was uh, ultimately the case uh, last night. Yeah, I think with Cleveland sometimes, I mean, 
it's it's interesting because, for example, so when they went up against the Mavericks going into that, there were certain I was not feeling so good about it because they have Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley. And I was like those two alone, I feel like, are going to give us just a lot of trouble. And and obviously you got Kevin Love in there, but they've got this formula that I think can only not I don't want to say can only be successful against certain types of teams because I feel like that's not fair given the season that they're having but the personnel that they have is not something that I or is not are not the pieces to a formula that I think is sustainable long term and so I like what they're doing right now they are fun to watch Ricky Rubio is huge for them I mean they're having and Kevin Love is giving them quality minutes so I think they have this good blend of of um, youth and veteran leadership, but I think there is going to come a time when you kind of got to, again, similar to what I said about the Timberwolves, you got to pick a path and you got to fully commit to it. And so I think the Colin Sexton situation and, and where that contract extension that's kind of looming could come into play, uh, I think all of those factors kind of combined will be very interesting in the near future and by near future, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. Tim, what do you think? Uh, I've been watching the Cavs a bunch. I don't want to step on your guys' thunder. So I'll say uh, the Boston Celtics are the team that mm. I have been paying attention to. Um, just just so confused by them. One night they are absolute dog. The next night they are amazing. And Jason Tatum scores 42 points. Uh, so much talk about Tatum and Brown being split up. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but... It's just an, an inconsistent team that, like, you never know what you're going to get. Like Forrest Gump said, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I never know what I'm going to get out of the Boston Celtics. So I just I just check on them every night or whenever they're playing and just see, like, okay, is this a good night? This is this a bad night? Are people going to comfort Tatum and Brown? Or are they going to cherish what they have? Two awesome two-way wings. And uh, I just – I've they are like a, a sneaky drug for me. I can't get enough of watching them, just figuring out what they might be. Yeah, I don't know what they are. Like I, the Dennis Schroeder uh, trade bait stuff that came out today. I don't know what to make of that. Grant Williams is really important for them, and like as a UTK guy here, uh, Grant Williams obviously meaning a lot to me. But I always look at that as like a, that's a problem. If Grant Williams is this much of an important factor to your team right now, staying afloat, and they're barely staying afloat. That's cause for concern, but uh, they were my team to watch a few weeks back. In that Lakers game especially, it looks like Tatum, the upside is just there. And not having Jalen Brown for a little bit is hurt them. But they're just a weird team because I don't know who their league creator is. And it's not Schroeder. It's definitely not Marcus Smart. They, I don't know. They just, they're a weird roster. And they're just not a roster you see very often that are just, they have two wings that are just elite, all do-it-all wings. And there's just no reason to trade either of them, but I also just don't know what the path is to finding that lead ball handler that makes their lives easier and kind of balances out this team a little bit more because I don't think you can get that person without giving up uh, a Jalen Brown. So it's just a they're they're in a really weird spot. Um, and Brad Stevens, uh, welcome to the NBA uh, front office uh, situation because good luck figuring that out, right? Yeah, I. I mean, I think he was hoping that one of Tatum or Brown would become like a, a, a little bit, maybe not a primary initiator, but somebody who you can kind of go to first first as a primary initiator. And like like you said, Stevens, he has a decision to make because both Tatum and Brown, neither of them have decided they want to like bring the ball up a little bit more or create for others. They're probably like, they're never going to be leading the league in assists or anything close to that. So they have to rely on having another guard. And Schroeder's not that. Kyrie wasn't that. Kemba's not that. 
Like they haven't they haven't had a a playmaking guard, um, and there's no sign of Tatum and Brown becoming that. So I think Brad Stevens, if he's going to do something, it's got to be to go get that guy. It doesn't even have to be like a star like they've had in the past few years. Like they can go get like a Ricky Rubio or a guy like that who just moves the ball around and really makes Tatum and Brown like solidify themselves on the wing so they don't even have to worry about creating. Hello? Yeah, Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, I think Boston, I agree with Tim, and now is not the time to to trade Jalen Brown or kind of look at figuring out what the future of that duo is. I do think there's going to come a time when it is. You do kind of have to face bite that bullet and make that that decision. But right now, the assets that are out there or the I should say the attainable assets that are out there are not any that I think would bode well for Boston and what they're trying to achieve in the short term. And I and by short term, I really mean like the next one to maybe even three years, which I know some people might view as long term, but that's not how I view it. And so um, I look at some of the the assets out there. Like you have one end of the spectrum, you have Ben Simmons, who where does he fall into play with the Boston Celtics and how would that work? I mean, the Boston, they, their defensive rating is 108, which is 11th best in the league and their pace is they rank 22nd in the league. So throw Ben Simmons in there. Is that something that works? Do you how does that affect your spacing? I don't know that that's the answer for a team like Boston. I think Ben might be better off somewhere else. Um, and then you look at, I think, the other most valuable asset that does look to be attainable right now is in my opinion DeMontis Sabonis and where does he fit with Al Horford who you just brought back where how does he fit with Robert Williams I think that's a very different conversation Mm. but what is something that Boston could do right now that could potentially give them I don't want to say give them hope but just make their future or give them a better identity, like a more defined identity because right now I don't think that they have that and I think that there are too many questions moving forward with this Boston team. That's interesting. I I don't know what they do on that front. It Ben Simmons is pro- definitely not happening for them, but the Sabonis thing too it is uh that's your beat, Lauren. That is strictly your <laughs> beat. You got owners and your DMs. You've No. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> you uh you caused quite a stir with what uh, Sabonis was saying to some to some maps. What what is the scoop, Lauren? What is the scoop? Oh boy, there's no. Uh, I think Sabonis is available. If mm-hmm. your team has a package that you can put together for Sabonis, I think you could go get him if you really wanted to. But the the problem is that, in my opinion, I've heard I heard today uh, Sam Emick talking on his podcast about. Um, certain teams viewing Miles Turner as more valuable than Sabonis. And I can understand the logic behind that, but to me, Sabonis is more plug and play and more versatile in terms of someone that could be useful on teams that are young, teams that are looking to win now, whatever the case may be. So to me, Sabonis is the most valuable asset, and I just don't know what team out there is going to be willing to push the chips in. I think the Kings are really fascinating because – couple months ago, I would have said there's no way they're trading Fox. There's no way they're trading Halliburton. There's no way they're trading um, Davion Mitchell. It's not going to happen. But now I think there could be a chance that one of them gets moved. I don't think it'll be Halliburton. That would really blow my mind. Um, But 
is Sabonis the guy that you would push the chips in for? I don't think Ben Simmons is worth pushing any of those chips in for, in my opinion. I am all on the Ben Simmons trade for a lot of teams, but for Sacramento, I don't think so. But Sacramento is the team that has the picks and that has these young assets for someone like a Sabonis. But how does he fit with the pace that you would have with De'Aaron Fox? Is De'Aaron Fox the one you would be willing to move? If you're looking to rebuild, how does that go with Rick Carlisle? It doesn't look like De'Aaron Fox has any interest in a rebuild right now. He just got done saying today that he was winning until he got to Sacramento. Don't really know how that pans out. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of questions. And right now I think Sabonis is attainable, but I don't know that there's a best case scenario trade for Indiana as of right now. Yeah. I don't know who's the most valuable of that group, um, with Levert, Turner and, uh, Sabonis. I, I don't know. I'm mixed on Sabonis. It just depends. Like if I'm a different team, like if I'm the Kings, it, it, like everything about Sabonis depends on how you view Sabonis and everything about Miles Turner matters to me like how you view him do you see them as a core piece then you're out like no that's not how you should view this you should view this as like a this is a supplemental player that can get us over the hump from like he it just depends on how you view him but if you're looking at the kings you're like we got to get in the playoffs we got to build and we got to max out demontis sabonis in our roster it's like well no then i I don't want you trading for demontis sabonis but if you're like we need a third or fourth guy uh, then yeah you go after Sabonis like he in that respect with Luca you are already have it established in Dallas but you look at the pieces around them and like the wing depth and everything else I'm like I don't I don't really understand the the, the intrigue there but like Miles Turner if you're not sure that uh, Clint Capella can be fully back this year mm-hmm. in Atlanta because you're right now fighting for a play-in spot when you were just in the Eastern Conference Finals and you just blew a uh, an awful awful loss to the houston rockets uh mr allen's houston rockets are you back on the call sir he's not back okay well so they're not like it's teams like that where like miles turner like that's a nice just swing is if you think you can get the younger dwayne deadman and i'm a big dwayne deadman guy love (laughs) dwayne deadman his chemistry with trey young a couple years ago top notch and his he's great with kyle lowry in miami watching that last night he's uh he works hard he knows exactly what he is miles turner can just be a souped up version of that but based on his comments he might think he can be a lot more than that so i don't know if you want to play that game but with the hierarchy in atlanta i don't think it would work like that i think it would just be established as like hey no this is trey and collins and if you want to help us win a title or get to the eastern conference finals again you got to play the way we're playing all that more all i'm saying is i don't really know what their value is around the league. And I think it should just depend on the team that's looking at them. So I, I don't like the Kings fit for any of those three, but I also am just so curious about what the Kings do. Cause Monty McNair since taking over really hasn't uh, dove in at all. And now with Luke Walton out and their future, just in a state of flux, I, I don't know what the Kings do, but I having watched a little bit of Bagley, you're not getting anything from Marvin Bagley in 2021. Darren Fox is complicated. Depends on how you view him as well. Tyrese Halliburton's their best trade chip, but you don't move Tyrese Halliburton at this point. Um, I don't know. The Kings are the Kings. Are the Kings. The Kings stay the Kings. What do you? Uh, what do you do uh, if you're Monty McNair? Other than just a deep, deep sigh. What do you think, Tim? Uh, what we hear today from Kevin O'Connor, I don't know if it's common knowledge, but the Kings have a playoff mandate. They would love to make the playoffs this year. And I, yeah, I don't understand that. I don't think it's possible with the roster that they have. I don't see a way in which trading for Ben Simmons or DeMontis Sabonis or like 
who like what they're not pushing in those chips we talked about with Halliburton or Mitchell or like I don't know what Fox gets you. It's not a player who's going to make the playoffs. So like, they can try and get in one of these deals. Maybe they do, but like they got to be the most like like there's just not a path for them to to go up. It's only down, and the longer they wait to accept that, the harder it's going to be for them having a playoff mandate for a bad team like that where the players are quitting on their old coach and their new coach and De'Aaron Fox is lighting the team up in press conferences. There's just, it sucks that they are trying to win because they could just land one of these draft prospects these next few years and be perfectly fine. What a statement. It sucks they're trying to win. I don't think I've ever really thought I would hurt hear something like that on a sports podcast. Um, but yeah. True. I mean that's where they're at though, but like they haven't they have the longest playoff drought in the NBA right now. I think isn't it still the Kings? Uh, who, I believe so. Yeah, yep. like I don't blame them for trying, and like this is not a young team. Like they don't have like this is not a team that just had like the Bagley miss is just uh, an absolute devastation for them. But they also hit big on Halliburton. Fox I think is still a hit. Um, Rashawn Holmes is awesome for them. They made a great uh, long term signing and commitment to him. But the bogey stuff was inexcusable. Uh, we've enjoyed him in Atlanta. But, like, the Buddy Heald stuff's weird. That's taken forever. And I don't know what his value is because he kind of got screwed by uh, the Lakers making the wrong decision in prioritizing Russell Westbrook over Buddy Heald. Um, just think about how differently we view Heald if he's in Los Angeles this season uh, and getting uh, catch-and-shoot opportunities with AD and LeBron. But that is another conversation for another day with a certain Corbin Ford. Um, no, I just... The Kings... I'm okay with the playoff mandate because you know what? Playoff ma- mandates work, folks. Just at the top of this. Mandates work, but also, to a bigger extent, playoff mandates can work sometimes because guess what? The Atlanta Hawks had a preseason playoff mandate. They went nuts, signed Danilo Gallinari, signed Bogey Bogdanovich, and then you know what? They went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And not to bring everything back to Atlanta, but we all we all can recognize that Atlanta... Everything starts with the Atlanta Hawks, and the people around the league are looking to see what the Hawks are doing first and foremost. And we're, hey, trying to win basketball games. It's what Atlanta does. And unfortunately, uh, like last night against the Houston Rockets, Zach Allen's team, uh, that was not the case because uh, life's not fair. Yeah, man. Uh, Can everybody hear me? Yeah, man. You're back. All right, cool. I'm back. I'm sorry. I'm on the phone, guys. And Sky keeps acting weird, but... You're all good. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Last night I changed the channel to watch the, <laughs> to watch the Rams and uh, to watch the Rams. And who played last night? Oh yeah, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. After I seen that twenty, after I seen that twenty point deficit in the deficit in, like, in the third quarter, I automatically thought it was over. But out of nowhere, these guys like DJ Augustine and David Wallace, like they provided a spark. Like Coach Silas has a weird way. These last two years, man, the rotation has been like in and out. And this year, everything makes sense. And some of these guys have been taken out the rotation because they're not showing the fit on the court. Mm-hmm. So out of nowhere, he'll just bring them back from the dead and say, here, get on the court, next to mentality. Everybody's just playing, you know, good basketball. Like David Nawaba, Josh Christopher. Uh, Daniel Tice even had a good game one time. He was took out the rotation. Digital Augustine stayed in a rotation, of course. Another guy that was took out the rotation, Daniel House. The Bulls game. It it's just weird how these guys have this next man mentality, stay ready after playing poorly the beginning of the season. Now they come when they have an option for them. Um, I 
Last night was incredible. Like, I thought Trey Young was going to murder us last night in Atlanta. <laughs> the way he was playing last night. I don't want to talk about it. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, who's the Hawks fan? Is there any Hawks fan on there? Wait, so, oh, yeah, me. What? You're a Hawks fan, bro? I never knew this. I am from Atlanta. What are we... Uh, what? What is happening, Zach? You've been on this podcast before. You have been on this very yeah, podcast. We, I thought you, I bro, honestly, I thought you lived in Tennessee. I do <laughs> live in Tennessee. I do live in Tennessee. I go to Knoxville, like the Vols, and then Atlanta. I, I spent the first 29 years of my life in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. I apologize. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, but no, I, I'll, it's fine. It's fine for this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, no, but so I guess when I come around, I can I come see you too as well. Cause oh, absolutely. I a bunch of other, yeah, I know a bunch of other reporters around it too, uh, Malik and you know everybody else. But, yeah, all friends of the pod. Um, yeah, but here's another thing as uh, well. Here's another thing as well that uh, another team that I've watched this year, who's in cold protocol, which is weird to me, is the Chicago Bulls. I've mm-hmm. watched them a lot this year, and uh, somebody told me. <laughs> That uh, they gave the they, they took on the the uh, Antonio Brown uh, method of the the whole COVID vaccine crap. So the whole team is out, you know, doing protocol, and it's kind of weird. But I like the way the Bulls have played. The very fast transition, Lonzo is finally activated in the in the right way. Levine is looking is starting to become a superstar now because he has a lot of pieces around him. Mooch is playing phenomenal inside and out. Uh, Willie Green, another, another high flyer. Uh, it's just they're, they're playing incredible right now. And plus, Alex Caruso, man, like I was at, I was at that Rockets Bulls game, man, like watching Caruso and Lonzo Ball switch on defense, like definitely, in, like that's why they move them to the four, and so they can they, they can unlock their defense even more. So if you switch to the four, Alex Caruso's playing the four, and he plays incredible on defense. So watching them clamp down on Kevin was 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 kind of hard to watch, even though we won that game, but. Just the way they play defense as well. Um, but the Bulls have been pretty good to me so far this year. But uh, like I said, the Rockets, you know, I've been watching them full time though. Now, the Bulls have been good. I mean, the, just the what's happening right now. And I, like KD had to play tonight uh, for them to have eight guys. Like, what are we doing here? I, I don't understand what it is that we're doing at this point. I get the money aspect, but like, that's not good. Is that really the message you want to be sending uh, to your athletes and to the the fan base that it's just that like, hey, KD, like what kind of pressure is that to put on KD to be like, hey, uh, if you don't play, uh, we don't have enough. Like that is some like middle school, like amateur hour <laughs> type stuff of like, you don't have enough, you have to forfeit. And you're just like scourging the, the stands of like, anybody want to play? Um, it's just not... Not a good look. Well, the NBA is just getting crushed, but it's not even just the NBA. Like NHL is currently getting crushed. The NFL is now getting crushed. This wave, man, it's it's hitting everybody. Yeah, is it that new? Uh, what's what's the new? What's the, what's the new? Cult? Omicron, what's right? Omicron. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's like it's really like hitting everybody in the NBA. Like it was first LeBron. Now, it's but there was something fishy going on. Yes, man, it's 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 getting out of, it's getting out of control now. So yeah, it's it's starting to be a little weird now with this whole vaccine. Everybody's starting to wear masks again. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they're gonna start making players wear masks on the bench now, and they're probably gonna have to go back to the cold protocols where they're they're testing players every day before practice, before they get on the plane, before the game starts. They might have to go back to that so they know who has it, who does not have it, and because uh, like I said, like the season was going pretty fine. 
And, you know, everybody, you know, once every now and then somebody would get hit with COVID. But now it's, it's starting to, you know, come in, you know, come back and bite everybody in the behind again, which is kind of weird to me, man. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not what you want to be talking about uh, this early in the season when things are really clicking into gear and it's hard to get a read on teams uh, and it's hard to really understand where a team's going if they get hit with COVID stuff. So people might just see in the standings of, oh, they're on a three game skid. But then if you don't dig deeper and you're like, oh, they were going with eight or nine guys and most of their starters are out in COVID protocols, then that changes what uh, how you view them. Lauren, what uh, what story in the NBA outside of COVID uh, what kind of storyline are you most intrigued by as of late? Oh man, that is a fantastic question. Um, I think it's gotta be the Pacers and I don't know if it's hmm. because of the Rick Carlisle connection, but to me, they haven't, I, I, I am in the stance of right now, like we're still too early in the season to decide that we're going to have a, any team should be having a fire sale, which I know they haven't used that term, but when you make three key guys available, I don't think that that ever results in anything good. I instantly think back in recent history to last year with Orlando, which it was clear that they kind of needed to to move on, but only getting what they got back in return for all of uh, Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier. I thought, excuse me, I thought collectively what they got back was not what their values are and what we're now seeing they are as they're now split up and with teams that maybe they're better suited for. Uh, So I would hate to see that happen to Indiana. I don't believe Rick Carlisle signed up for a rebuild. So I'll be very fascinated to see how he navigates that. And if they do, I don't know that it's a done deal that they're going to move on from every single person. Um, I've heard that Malcolm Brogdon is not going anywhere I don't know that I'm 100% sold that that's the case, that he's just untouchable, um, which I he might actually be. No, I think he's available to be traded. I don't think he has to wait till next year, um, but that could be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, moving on from all of these people right now, I think would be a terrible move. I think I, I, I am in the uh, camp that Sabonis is the one that you build around, not trade away. Um, so... I just they're like kind of going back to what I said before. There are so many different lanes in front of them. Which one are you going to take? Which one are you going to commit to? I don't see a Ben Simmons Carlisle union being one that would like I understand Sabonis and uh, Ben Simmons, why somebody might like that fit in terms of off elite offense and elite defense. But you've got one that plays with pace, one that doesn't Ben Simmons and Rick Carlisle. I don't know that that is just a good mix. And so Going back to the Sabonis post-Mavs game thing, I don't know what was said, but my reaction watching it was seeing Luca's reaction to whatever Sabonis went up to him and said with his mouth cover covered led me to believe that it was about Rick Carlisle. And there is nothing hmm. that tells me that more so than Luca's reaction in the body language. I don't think it was let's team up again. I don't know. So don't say that this is what it happened or like, don't think that this is what happened a hundred percent, but Luca's reaction led me to believe that it's about Rick Carlisle and maybe not necessarily. I'm unhappy with him, those words, but my, my interpretation was what's going on right now might not be the best thing. And so I, again, if you're the Pacers, getting getting um, 
Sabonis from OKC and seeing what he has turned into and could be and thinking about moving on from that, I think would be a huge, huge mistake. So I'm very interested to see how they navigate this moving forward. Hmm. That's fascinating. Um, Do you think Luca's enjoying playing for Kid a lot more? (laughs) Definitely. Interesting. Huh. There you go. The more you know. Do you uh, do you think John Wall's enjoying his time in Houston thus far, Zach? Uh, honestly, I mean he's in there relaxing. Yeah, he's he's hanging out. <laughs> Besides, yeah, he's chilling. He's making like what sixty, making forty something off the bench this year, off the bench. I, I mean, uh, last night Malik and I were having fun, and he's like, "Yo, you know, free John Wall." Everybody keeps saying free John Wall, but with what team? Like we, like, we would gladly give him up if some team would just come take this contract. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. I really thought we were, I really thought we had, before the season started, I really thought we had a chance with the 76ers because of the whole Ben Simmons drama. And I would love to send Ben Simmons in that red and white uh, because of the value he would provide to Jalen Green, Kevin, and, you know, Christian. Um, I like the fit so much, but Right now, I just think Ben is possibly going to go to the Lakers. I mean, it, or not to the Lakers, but the, it's between the Lakers, Portland, or San Antonio. Uh, I can see him in those, you know, those three cities as well. And I don't know why nobody, nobody's not talking about Jeremy Grant not going to Sacramento. I would like to see that. I don't know why, but oh, I would God. like to see that. Why? Jeremy Grant in Sacramento? <laughs> what are we doing? Why, why are you trading for what, – what are you trying to build there? What are you giving up for Jeremy Grant? Uh, you just seen Bruce and you seen Buddy here and uh, Marvin Bagley. If you can bring Jeremy Grant and pair him up with Dick Fox and Tyrese Hallenburton, yeah, and that, that's if that's if and not yeah, that's if the you know contracts match up and the money you know mm-hmm. is there, right? And then like here's 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 my popular opinion. Why not do a Ben Simmons and Deontay Murray swap? You know, Deontay Murray oh. is playing pretty good basketball this year, mm. so why not why not see that combination where you know both teams you know. I think the, I think the Sixers would possibly, you know, they would get a little bit better. They would get actually much better because you would get two other pieces as well, along with Deontay Murray. And I think you know you, you can you can try to get another piece from the Sixers. And I think, well, I think the, the Spurs going to be you know worse than they are, but they'd be a tad better, but not too much. But I think the Sixers would be would be much better than the the Spurs. So both teams would win, but you know. The seven six would win that deal no matter what. Well, the Sixers are in a weird spot, man, with with um, yeah. with Simmons because ultimately, like having seen them and watched them play, and they just they they beat the Hawks in a really frustrating ending. These close <laughs> losses later, just uh, crushing my soul. But like you watch them, and Tyrese Maxey's been good. He's been a really good player for them, and he's got a bigger role because of Ben Simmons' absence. But like, there's clearly something missing, and like they're in a they're just in a time crunch because you're just playing with house money with Embiid in the short term like you just you got to cash in like this dude when he plays it's just a game changer like his regular season record over the last couple of years is preposterous like Joel Embiid is a game changer and can be the best player on a title team right now however this team is not currently constructed to win a title without Ben Simmons and with this group so you have like I understand Maury's aspect of just being like I'm not moving Simmons unless you're giving me back someone who can help Joel Embiid win a title in the next two years if not, I'm hanging up. Like, CJ McCollum is not getting the 76ers over the hump. Um, John Wall, whoever, is not getting them over the hump and helping Joel Embiid in a long playoff run. He's, they're just not. They're good players, but it's not enough to move Ben Simmons for. And I would remain stubborn and adamant, too, because I'm just like, I got to see this through with Embiid, and I have to do right by the franchise's best player in the short term. Like, anything less, you can't take picks. You can't do any of the stuff that you would usually get 
for a Ben Simmons because I'm sure if the circumstances were different with Embiid, then you could kind of you don't have to have a win now player and a, a NBA superstar. But because of Embiid's unique circumstances, I think Maury has to have a unique approach, which makes all the Ben Simmons stuff so complicated. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Uh, it's on my bio on our site that I am a fiend for roster movement. Uh, it's, I mm. live in, in dream for fake trades. And this whole Ben Simmons situation has really just broke my brain of, of how, how the Sixers could possibly get out of this. And you're exactly right in saying that the Sixers should do what they can to maximize Joel Embiid's title window. Uh, they're going to wait for Damian Lillard or James Harden or Bradley Beal. Or maybe they can even Kyrie get a sign and trade. Yeah, Kyrie sign and trade with Zach Levine in the off season. They oh like gosh, they have Oof. they have a desire to go and get this this wing scorer who can play next to Embiid. I think they'll get it. I think Ben Simmons will be a part of the deal. But man, it's just it. I am anxiously checking my phone every single day and notifications are on for all of them because I'm just waiting to see a tweet from one of them that says the Philadelphia 76ers are trading Ben Simmons to blank and then ciphering through the details. I don't know what's going to happen. I, you're exactly right in saying that they should wait and trade for a player who's going to help them win a title. I hope that deal is there. I hope they don't settle because I'm all about the fireworks and I just, I, I just want it to happen so bad. Can I give you all my favorite under the radar one that I've just I've talked myself into being a potential Please. game changer? Oh no. Brandon Ingram. You put Brandon Ingram I, I in this that, system. That's, like that's a good one. He is under talked about. He is someone you you like there's still the age and he's not young enough where he's not a difference maker in a playoff series, and we've seen what he can be in the half court, and he's done a lot of stuff. He's really grown as a player. And I I actually like what he would solve for the Sixers, especially late in game. I think you want to call David Griffin. I think you want to call a team as bad and as desperate and as dysfunctional as the Pelicans. Um, I've talked myself into, like, you're not getting Zion, but I'm not even sure we see Zion Williamson this year. Um, but I I just, I would look really, really hard at seeing what I could do to entice the the Pelicans to part with brandon ingram because i think if he put him on a different market where he's the number two to joel Embiid and he's the second guy late in games like it's a lot more difficult to handle the sixers with ingram and Embiid closing than just uh maxi and a uh, collection of talent uh around Embiid. what do you what do you think any trade, any trade that they make is going to be better than the exactly zero minutes that Ben Simmons is playing <laughs> this year. So let's get that, uh, let's get that out there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I don't hate the Brandon Ingram one one bit because what's so fascinating about Brandon Ingram is that, like you said, the Pelicans and Griffin are kind of in a desperate spot, and they might just be willing to do a Ben Simmons deal. And what I also think is so interesting about that is that Philly and Joel Embiid, more importantly, trust Seth Curry to handle the ball and make the right decisions. Is it the number one ideal scenario? Maybe not. But if you get someone like Brandon, Brandon Ingram in there who can create his own shot, and like you said, is very good in the, in the half court, that might just be just what you need. And so I definitely think that there's something to that and it could be there. I would be curious to see where New Orleans is at 
with what their long-term plans are because I have also, I mean, I have thought about why doesn't OKC, well, maybe not now, it's a little too early, but at some point just throw like, I don't know, four first round picks or what, however many they think it would need for is a lot and scratch four. To well, go they have Brandon 47. Ingram. They have 47. Exactly. So at, at some point, if you're OKC, who cares mm-hmm. if it means you go get someone like Brandon Ingram or a situation similar to that where it's like, it doesn't even matter. There's players not going to force his way out but they need to do something. They're still in a position where they could get younger. Like New Orleans has a lot of choices that they can make with how they handle the Brandon Ingram thing. Do they think that now's the time to try and be competitive, to keep Zion, to keep maybe even a team in New Orleans and try to make a push for someone? Do they think they have something to push together for like Dame and put a piece or a package together around Brandon Ingram. I think that's a bit of a stretch and you're still waiting for a lot of dominoes to fall for something like that to happen. So I think they're kind of in a tough spot there, which is where Ben Simmons and that conversation could become really interesting. But if they somehow, if Daryl Morey can swing a deal and get Brandon Ingram for Ben Simmons, then he deserves all the awards because that would be quite But it also makes yeah. sense. Like he sells tickets, and if you don't have Zion there, you put Simmons in New Orleans. He played for a little bit at LSU. Like I, I don't hate that, and I think <laughs> it, from a basketball standpoint, Simmons and so Zion would be a lot of fun to watch them in the yeah. open floor. I think that would actually be a lot of fun. I think Simmons would sell a lot of jerseys in New Orleans. I, I wouldn't hate it. I, uh, I think that's my under the radar one that I've just really gone with. Zach, what do you think? Okay, I like Brendan Ingram. Uh, I, Brandon Ingram would actually be nice. Like, are we talking about trading Brandon Ingram to, to, to the Thunder? No, no, no. Well, that's what Lauren suggested was Sorry. the first round picks. No, there you go. We have two different lines of thinking. Do, which do you, which are you more drawn to? The Thunder just throwing a bunch of picks for Brandon Ingram so that New Orleans can reset a little bit, or Brandon Ingram for Ben Simmons to Philadelphia? That's that, that's really really tough, man. I, I tell you all the time. That is extremely tough. When I tell you, like, if you're Sam Presti, he loves picks, man. Or if you, if you, we all know Sam <laughs> Presti loves picks in the last yeah. three, four years. He loves picks. So and running a go, pyramid scheme. You know, but who are we saying, Brandon Ingram? To what would the Sixers give them? Because if you give, they would, they would just get worse. If, if I, if I'm the Thunder, I'm definitely trying to get the picks for Brandon Ingram because they'd be better. Nobody would lose as much, right? And then you give more picks for Zion Williamson. Like, he, you go, of course, you're going to draft more. But they're probably going to be in a lottery as well. So they're going to be just fine with the next two or three years. And, like, it's just, it's just tough. But why don't we discuss Terrence Ross? Terrence Ross needs to get the hell out of Orlando. <laughs> well, bigger question in Orlando. What are these black and orange uniforms that they are wearing so much? I hate these so, so much. They are they have the best uniform combination maybe in the league. You have the pinterps. You have so many great options, and they continue to throw this out. I hate it so much. They should be demoted from television. Kick them off whenever they come out in these. It. I don't know who is responsible for these monstrosities. They're worse than the jerseys. I can't handle it. They were on the other night with that, and I I had to like do a double take. I'm like, who are they playing? I'm like, oh my god, they're doing it again. And you know what? It's it hurts me for like Cole Anthony's having this almost all star like season for them, and it doesn't matter. And Lauren's old friend Jamal Mosley, Luca's old friend, having a rough year down there in Orlando. I think we talked about in the off season where I was like, 
yeah, he took this job, but I'm like, there's no way he survives. Like, they're going to be awful. They're not trying. They traded everybody this past year. And Zach, you understand this with Steven Silas, where it's like, everyone's bought in right now. The next man up mentality works for right now. Like, this is working for right now. They've won a lot of games in a row uh, as of late. So that was cool. But the losing starts that up. And eventually you find yourself in a Lloyd Pierce type situation where uh, the playoff mandates start coming and the talent's not there. And then there's just a weird collection of assets of the the older guys that you tried to bring in to expedite the process. And generally speaking, that rarely works. But all that being said, Orlando, I, oh God, I, I don't think it's getting any better anytime soon. What What do you think, Zach? Orlando, I think Orlando will be fine the next two to five years because Cole Anthony is pretty good. Uh, RJ Hampton is somebody that probably won't be an all-star. He's more of a six-man in the future. Uh, Jalen Suggs is a point guard that amongst people in the media in Houston, we talk about Jalen Suggs being the pick instead of Jalen Green, mm. which is like, I understand that. But uh, I like what we got Jalen Green here. Uh, but Orlando will be fine. Because uh, look, have you not seen Franz Wagner play? He's yes. incredible, dude. He's really versatile with the no one. He's pretty fast too <laughs> for a big guy, and can do about everything on the court. Mm-hmm. What, six nine, six ten. He's really, really good. Um, he's definitely better than Bo, Bo Wagner for sure. Yeah. But uh, Franz is somebody you can build around. Kawhi is somebody you can build around. Jones is somebody you can build around. Archie Hampton is a guy that. Will he be there in Atlanta forever? I don't know, but he's a guy that, you know, you want to make him like one of a six-man and come off the bench. Uh, and plus you have, um, what is his name? Number 20. Oh, oh yeah, Mar- oh, yeah Mar- 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 Markel Fultz. He's still he's still in the air. So when he comes back and he's healthy, what are they going to do with him? So uh, Orlando is almost like Houston, but we're better than Orlando. It's just mm. they have so many different players on their roster that have upside and talent that can provide, you know, you know, pretty good playing time in the future. It's just, what the hell are you going to do with, with all that talent on the court? You know, everybody can't play. Everybody needs minutes. But so you're going to have to trade some of these players for picks or something or, or, or just say somebody's in the bench, which which kind of sucks. So um, like, you, all these things last night, you don't know you don't know who's playing or not. You don't know who's getting minutes or not. You just got to go out there and play. So Orlando's almost in a situation like uh, they're in a situation uh, like Houston, but they're not the worst team in the league. Like, come on, man. It's Detroit. Detroit is probably the most awful team in the league right but now. But they're amazing to watch. Frank Jackson at three sometimes. They're they're fun, yeah. man. They're they're wild. Like, it's so clunky and awful. Uh, I am, I'm all in on watching the Pistons play. It's, it's a rough watch. But I am a rough watch person. So I, I like a good clunky, what are we doing here? Who's getting rotation minutes at this present time? Uh, they're, they're an absolute mess. Uh, I don't see that. Yeah, they're, they're the worst team in the NBA right now. And I don't think it's particularly close. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Um. You did mention Jalen Green, and I wanted to ask you real quick uh, about that, Zach. What has gone on with him this rookie year? Are you like are Rockets fans really actually already pretty worried about that pick? And is it just because Evan Mobley is already turning into an absolute star uh, this early on in Cleveland, which has just been a surprise for for a lot of us? How much of that is playing a oh, role in it? Oh no! Everybody in Houston loves Jalen Green okay. so far. They, they cannot wait for him to come back. It's just more of the outside world in the outside NBA world who, who's not a Houston fan or who's mm-hmm. not a part of Houston media that does not that thinks Jalen Green is not producing with the with the team this year and you know we're better without him and that's, and that's and that's not true at all. 
I think we're 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 just as good with Jalen Green. Before Jalen Green got hurt in this, in that Bulls game, he had ten points and we were up by like you know we were still in fighting distance and we as won that game. But I really think you know Jalen Green will be better when he comes back because he just he gets a chance to you know watch and knows how to win because the Rockets are getting good quality wins. They're not beating just scrubs. They beat the Hawks. They beat um uh, they beat the Hornets. They beat the Bulls. Uh, they beat the uh, uh, the Nets. They had a tough loss against the Bucks. They're not just losing, you know. They're not losing against scrubs. They're, they're, they're playing great basketball, and he has a chance to watch and knows how to follow the game. Which I think his biggest thing is pace. Hmm. Every NBA superstar knows pace. You have to know when to score, when to make sure your teammates are involved, make sure and making sure you know when to attack. Same as Kevin Porter Jr. He's still struggling with pace. He he gets it in. He's in and he's in and out of pace. And so when those two guys get back, they're watching how to pace. Like DJ Augustine, you know he he constructs right. Eric Gordon, he's a pretty good peacemaker. So uh, just just when they when when Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. find their pace, they're gonna be unstoppable. And I think you know when Jalen Green comes back, I think if we had Jalen Green or Kevin Porter Jr. We we would be Milwaukee that night because. They're they're a really nasty scoring threat on the court, and you got to pay all attention to those guys because you know we didn't have them, and he didn't have them in the score besides Garrison Matthews and Christian Wood, you know who are who are the guys who are the main guys getting us buckets that night, and of course you know Jason Tate, Jason Tate, you know he he chipped in as well, of course, but you know Jalen Green, we we need Jalen Green back. I don't care what anybody else says, Jalen Green is an important piece to the Rockets, you know, building block. Everybody really loves Officer Goon right now. They really love him right now. I like it. I like it. Uh, Lauren, any truth to the Kyrie KP stuff? No. Okay. Well, let me not. Well, mm, <laughs> I give it. I, it would really, really surprise me. I will say I've heard some people. I saw the Mark Stein report how he said that he spoke to Cuban. Cuban said that that did not those conversations did not take place. I've also spoken to some people that said and I do know that the Mavericks like to move in silence. Mm. Um, any big move that they make, they typically isn't hold close to the vest and it doesn't come out until it has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Kyrie Luca duo, it would really surprise me. I, I don't want to say any, it's impossible. It's never going to happen because the NBA is crazy. But I think that that has got to be like the least likely scenario. I give it a less than 5% chance. It would, and when I tell you, it would floor me if Dallas somehow ed- ended up with Kyrie. And I would be shocked if he ever even wore a Mavericks jersey. Well, can I ask you this then? Do you would it floor you if KP was moved before the deadline? Would it floor me the same way the Kyrie deal would? Um, but they like what he's giving them right now, and yeah. I don't think. And well, do you want to sell reason, high? Is basically what's happening here. Is you want to get out yes, before he gets something? Want, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a there's a chance that that happens, but as of right now, I do believe that they Mark Cuban wants to be right about the Luca Porzingis duo hmm. and that they're going to look to find a way to add around them by moving any of Jalen Brunson, Maxi, Dwight Powell, Josh Green, Dorian Finney-Smith, even um Tim Hardaway Jr. if they have to. So, hmm. 
they're going to look at getting as creative as possible to try and keep Luca and Porzingis together while also bringing in a quality starter. That's that's where I'm at right now. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Um, would you make any kind of big move if you're uh, Houston or Dallas with Christian Wood and or KP, Tim? Uh, if you're saying if I was one of the GMs of those yes, teams. Yes, if you're one of them. You're Rafael Stone or uh, Luka Doncic, uh, who is definitely not the GM and signing off on any kind of big trade. If you're not that first, either of those two people. I would definitely scan the market on, on KP. Um, I would just hope that there's a team out there that likes him, that gets me a player who maybe fits a little bit better next to Luca. Um, the Rockets could sell high on Christian Wood. Um, as a Pistons guy, I was uh, a little bit disappointed that Christian Wood is gone. He was the perfect, or he would be the perfect Detroit Piston right now. Um, as far as like big who's around the rim and jumps and block shots, uh, the Pistons have exactly negative one of those. Um, so if the Rockets want to sell high on Christian Wood and maybe go get some more picks and improve their chances of getting Paolo Bancaro or somebody in the 2023 draft, I I mean, the Rockets are a blank canvas, and I think they're a long ways away. Jalen Green and Sangoon and some of these young guys are the first pieces. I don't think Christian Wood's going to be there when it matters. So if you can sell high on them, get a first-round pick, maybe get an impactful young player or a player you want to take a chance on, I, I would look into it. I'm a bit more pro Christian Wood than I am pro Porzingis, even though Porzingis has been good. Uh, I'm actually very close with one of uh, Porzingis's trainers, um, hmm. and and yeah, I I'm hoping I'm hoping that one of them gets moved. I uh, I don't know. I you're just I a would, trades guy. You just want it. chaos. That's what's happening here. You yeah, just want everybody I, moved I mean, at all times for the content. I mean, yeah. If if I was if I was a team that had <laughs> Christian Wood, I would hold on to him. If I was the team that had Porzingis, I would move him. I guess at the simple hmm. second. Christian Wood's a hard one. Zach, what do you think? Do you think he's moved? Do you think he's got uh, registering a lot of trade value around the league? What What would you do if you're the Rockets with with Wood as someone oh, who's seen a lot of him? <laughs> I'm certainly thinking like, yeah, Christian Wood has a lot of trade value to him as well. I agree with what he's saying. Uh, KP, you got to move him. But Christian Wood, if he has to get moved, I would love to see him in Portland. Hmm. And uh, it's because we it's because we, we would get back Anthony Simons and of course Najee Little, or it's between us two. And definitely we're gonna we're, we're gonna get Joseph Nurkic, which is which is an expiring contract. Um, you know we can you know we don't have to, we don't have to bring him back, but we do get to keep Anthony Simons and maybe get a draft pick. But uh, I I want to see on the Christian Wood because I really do like Christian Wood. I like his you know his potential as a big. And I, and I understand why folks want to get rid of Christian Wood because, you know, you got these next three drives. You have incredible big men coming up. Jabari Smith coming up. You have the guy from France who's coming to play uh, uh, basketball in a couple of years. So, you know, and, and plus Alfred Zagoon has been playing incredible. He's a great passer. He's like the next Nikolai Jokic. He's not a joke at all. This is, this is straight facts. Like, he is an incredible passer. I don't know how his eye vision works. He has eyes all over the back of his head. I've probably seen two of them at Toyota before, but uh, he's like he's like said, he, he's an incredible ball player. Definitely in pick and roll, definitely in uh, short roll opportunities as well. But Christian was a guy where I do want to see Houston keep on to him because if we let him go, I think he'll be a dominant big in NBA. Definitely seem like the Portland. Um, I can see him, you know, become an All Star in Portland easier because he's playing with Dame. Um, he's playing with CJ. 
and uh, if I'm if, if I'm in, if I'm croning from if I'm croning right mm-hmm. from the from the Blazers, I'm trying to sell high on Christian Wood. Like, what can you give me for Christian? What can I get for Christian Wood? Like, what does it take for me to get Christian Wood? Y'all, like, it takes a first round draft pick for this year for sure. It gives us Anthony Simons, or you give us Nigel Little, and of course you give us Jason Nurkic. I'm not too high on Jason Nurkic because you know, hey, but we're still we're still in a building phase. And of course, he probably would play, and, and I think Opposite Goon would be a starter. But the guy I'm really trying to trade off the Rockets is really Daniel Tice. Like, I'm really, like, I'm trying to ask Lauren. Do y'all, <laughs> Lauren, do you have room in your roster for uh, Daniel? <laughs> what did God. Daniel Tice like, do to you? No longer friend of the pod, Daniel Tice. We apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no, Daniel's a really good guy. He's a really good ball player. But I don't think he's the fit for the Rockets. Like, he has good spurs with him. And they mm. won games with him. Like, no, they actually only probably won two games with him on the court. It was in the Thunder. It was, yeah, it was two Thunder games. That was it. <laughs> it was two Thunder games. When, when Daniel Tice got consistent minutes as a starter, which is playing time, the plug him in, it was against the Thunder. And that's it. Other than that, we've gotten worse or we're not able to play to our full potential or, you know, because it, it, it just depends. Because, I mean, Daniel Tice takes a lot of space up. You know, he's always at dunker spot. He's not a very good shooter from the perimeter. He can't hit a couple shots. His rebounding isn't the best, but he has he's he is a good screener. But I just think you know he's better on a veteran team like Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's playing incredible, but I think Daniel Tice would be better, you know, a better suited for another team. Okay, we'll end on this. Tim, are you ready to cross off the Lakers as contenders this season? I've been ready to cross them. Yes, as as there we that, go. Put that roster together. Yes. Now we're hearing stuff about them wanting to see what they can get for Russell Westbrook. They are. Oh my God. They, Music to my they ears. They are cooked. They're cooked. They, I feel vindicated. Durant, ben Simmons. They're not. They're. They're not. They don't have a move to make. They had a chance to get Buddy healed and kind of reset the deck. They wouldn't have had to trade away all their defenders and all their shooting. And sign all these veteran minimum guys. Instead, they chose Russell Westbrook. It's not working. There are many Laker fans in my life, and uh, it's it's good to see them a little bit down right now. Oh man, <laughs> vicious, vicious. Uh, sure. Is that part because of the the Pistons Lakers uh, debacle from a few weeks ago? Still some harsh feelings no, 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 about no. that. No, okay, no. no it, that's gonna happen when you when you have Isaiah Stewart on your team. Love that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I I don't. I'm not anti LeBron. I'm not anti Davis or Westbrook. In fact, I just think like well, I'm not anti Lakers. I just think that the the roster construction is just so poor, and it's it doesn't. There isn't a world in which they get if they get themselves out of it. Build the statue. Give them executive of the year. Give LeBron MVP. Get like give LeBron uh, executive of the year. Like they, if they find a way to like, get out of this Westbrook deal or make a, a stronger surge back to the playoffs, back to like a top seed, they deserve it. Uh, like that, they deserve all the props in the world. I just think there's absolutely zero percent chance of that happening. There's no move. I don't think there's a right move. Lauren, what do you think? Well, I'm trying to pull something up right now to throw something wild at you guys that just popped into my head, and I don't even really think that it's a good idea at all. Is it a trade machine? It might be a trade machine. (laughs) So I was trying to think of, with the Russell Westbrook situation, Mm. is there any trade out there that could just completely come out of the blue that could work? 
to try and get them out of this Russell Westbrook situation. And I was trying to think of teams that would be desperate enough and that it would work because I think there are certain teams that Russell Westbrook will just not go to. He will not go to the Spurs. Like he's not going to end up so like that's not going to happen. But a place that I felt he's always destined been destined to end up uh, is with the New York Knicks. Oh and no! Is there a time? <laughs> is there a scenario where Julius <laughs> oh, Randall makes his way back to the to the oh, Lakers? I don't I, hate that though. I, I don't I, like Julius has been rough this yeah. year in uh, New York, and if you get Fournier back, a shooter, I I don't. I'm saying to match the money. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, Evan Fournier could be the offensive creator shooter that you were hoping Buddy Heald was, and if you get. Julius Randle in there. I don't, I mean, Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, but having the offensive production that Julius Randle would give you, I think that there would still be some defensive concerns, obviously with Randle. But I, at that point, I think your offense would be good enough that you might not have a problem. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a little crazy, but eh. man, I hadn't even considered New York for him, but I could see Tibbs actually loving some Westbrook fever um, and getting the most out of him there. And then you get Westbrook and Rose alternating uh, in the rotation. Oh my God. Uh, that is, that is some Nixian type stuff. Uh, Zach, what do you think? I don't know why folks hate Westbrook. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Man. And uh, I, I just think it's Frank Vogel. I don't think it's Russell Westbrook. Like, folks are always – they're always quick to make him the, the, the scapegoat. Like, I do blame him for the uh, the 2020 playoffs, though, in the bubble. So, I understand that pain what Lakers fans are going to. But I think Russell Westbrook, he's been playing, you know, pretty good to me. But at this time to trade him, uh, yeah, I like what Lawrence said. Like, the Knicks do make sense. Like, I mean, why not the Knicks? But it's kind of weird. And – um Ben Simmons would probably actually fit better in Lakers uniform than Russell Westbrook. And it's without a jumper too, man, so which, which is even funnier. So uh, I, I, I agree, man. Like, if you want to, you know, trade Russell Westbrook, do your thing. But I think he's fine. I mean, you got I don't have, I don't have the numbers, but the best way to look at it is his impact on the court and off the court. That's the best way to tell. And the points to get with him on the court and to get off the court. And so – and that's the biggest stat right there. Uh, but like I said, Russ Westbrook, you know, he's what he was he averaging 22, 25. There, there was a streak where he was averaging 25, 11, and 10. So I'm like, why do you got to watch the games, though? Me? I'm telling you, it's clunky. It doesn't work. The spacing's off. And it's also just like a bad fit for him. Like, this is mm-hmm. not, this was what we were all saying this summer. It's just that, like, we saw the blueprint with AD and LeBron. It won him a title. Like, the the defense and shooting and the Danny Greens and the Caruso's of the world, like, that was the blueprint. And they went away from that. Um, and the idea was that like if LeBron sitting a lot, uh, Westbrook and AD could uh, carry the load, but AD's not 100% right, and Westbrook is not good enough in 2021 to keep the Lakers afloat uh, just by himself. Like that's just not not who he is, and him never uh, expanding out to three point range has just been a debacle on his defense. Uh, also, not very good. I I think it's just there's the the conversation when we had like the the, the Westbrook needs to be a six-man conversation needed to happen like a year ago maybe two years ago and i don't know which coach is going to be able to have that much cachet with him to be like hey you can be our third guard uh on a contender or you can be a starter on a team that's going nowhere like that like a a pseudo contender like you just you can't have it both ways anymore with him i think he if he transitioned into the third guard and a super six-man Everyone would love Westbrook again, and I think that would actually work on a lot of teams around the league, but that's just not where he's at right now. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, before you cool out, you know, lock out, like, I, West, yeah, West of Westbrook, I think, you know, there's another guy as well that's, that started sinking. Oh, yeah, Kim and Kimba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both started to fall out of the NBA's lap. And, you know, Kimba's out the rotation. Um, you could trade Kimba, uh, and you could find a way to get to get Kimba in L.A. and also get Ben Simmons in L.A. Oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want any of this. No, no, no. <laughs> We're not doing this. We're not Operation Save the Lakers. No, we're not doing this. You're not getting Ben Simmons and Kemba. No, not doing this. Denied. Motion denied hey, as the NBA's are. Can't do it. I don't even know how they. I don't know. I don't know how they pulled it off this uh, the past summer. Like they said, they had no money and they turned to to everybody. I'm like, where is where is money coming from? Are they laundering money at you know Crypto.com now? Whatever it's called now. <laughs> Crypto.com Arena. Um, yeah, I don't Carmelo know. Anthony is just an NFT. He's not a real person. He's just an NFT. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie get paid in Bitcoin? Or did I miss? Uh, he tried. The contract structure wouldn't allow it. So oh, okay. It didn't happen. Okay. He yeah. Tried, there you go. I guess shoot your shot in that uh, in that context. I don't know. Um, well, that's uh, that, that's all I've got tonight, guys. This is great. I was really excited to do an NBA roundtable. I think uh, it's a lot of fun. We're able to just get a variety of perspectives on where we're at in the NBA. And we all, like all four of us, have our own teams that we're watching a bunch of. And I think that's really cool because I think a lot of folks, because there's so many games and so much going on that we don't have the time, uh, unfortunately, to see as much of everybody as we would like. So this is cool. And I hope this was informative. But Lauren, how can the good folks keep up with your work uh, on Mavs, Moneyball and everywhere else? Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you so much, Chase, for having me. This is always great. Uh, it's always fun to meet new people. Tim, great to see you again, as always. Um, you can find me on Twitter at LGun with four N's. All my Mavs Moneyball articles drop there. Any podcast that I'm a guest on or that I drop myself with the gunshot uh, that I do with my brother, Grant Gunn, uh, are also those links are always dropped on my Twitter as well. So come chat with me there. I'm always down to talk about any team, any player, anybody. So, yeah, come find me. There you go. Zach, what about you, man? Uh, you can find me on Renzo the Don uh, on Twitter. Uh, I cover for East in Houston. And I also cover for Dream State Explanation. Um, Instagram as well, Renzo the Don 94. And um, yeah, you can find me on all those podcasts. I'm down to basketball my DMs. And um, I'm always, I almost had to hit my dog. Shut about my foot. But yeah, uh, you can find me on all those. And I think you always have basketball in my mentions. You can always find my articles. We talk there as well. I'm always open to talk, open opinion. I love that because I'm not anywhere near either of that. So Zach and Lauren are awesome for that because uh, no, no one fly my DMs. No one try and talk basketball with me. No one try and talk football with me. Don't have time. I do the pod. I do my research. Don't have time to do discourse outside of this. No discourse. This is why I'm terrible at sports bars and everything else with, with guys. Like just, it's not good. I, I don't, it's the last thing I want to do. But that's why Zach and Lauren are better than myself because they are willing to do that, that I am not. Sorry, but thank you for listening, guys. I appreciate that. Tim, what about you, man? Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Tim Forkin NBA. Uh, the stuff I write is on there. Uh, my YouTube show Buzzer Beater is on there. I was looking to have Lauren on there as uh, my first guest, and I'm always looking for the people to come on there. Um, and if you got any fake trades to send me, you know I'm your guy, so send them to me, um, and I will uh, roast you appropriately. <laughs> okay. Hey, what's your name again, bro? Tim. Tim Forkin, yeah. Throw that for me, Tim. This is real life networking on the end of this podcast. This is incredible. (laughs) 
Jason, kill me. I'll go follow you right now so we can get there out of this man. <laughs> gotcha. This is amazing. I, I I love that. Um yeah, there you go. Uh we'll all add each other on LinkedIn and uh we're all like everything's good. Everything's good. Lauren, Tim, Zach, thank you so much for making the time tonight. I greatly appreciate it. Uh we'll all have to reconnect again soon. Of course. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.